Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that had hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Sabrina, who work in sales and business development across the Asia Pacific. Hi, Nick. Welcome back to this month's episode. So let's jump right into some of our headline numbers and events that happened last month. Absolutely. Hi, hi, Sabrina. Great to hear your voice back on the podcast, back by popular demand, I think we could say. And good morning, good afternoon and good evening to our listeners right around the world. Thanks for your ongoing support of our podcast. And like Sabrina just said in the intro, we hope that it carries lots of value on what's happening in the market and really sparks some ideas for further growth in these markets where we're obviously very passionate and and interested uh, in. So in terms of key themes of today, before I jump into the news, I guess, where are we after Q1? What does 2022 in retrospect? There's been some reports. What does that tell us about where we're headed this year? SLBs, ongoing scrutiny discussions. The Sovereign Club continues to expand and a couple of newer theme products coming out. So we'll probably keep drawing back to those key themes as we go through to uh, today. But in terms of news, let's have a look. It's pretty interesting market conditions at the moment. And as we always say, this is not a market trend analysis, forward-looking, trading news sort of podcast. It's really on the underlying themes connected to sustainable finance. So there's pretty record volumes in first quarter, but obviously what's happened with UBS and Credit Suisse and with the bank movement, shall we say, uh, there's been a bit of pressure in the markets and these markets don't occur without the broader context of what's happening in the big world. But interesting enough that the first quarter was first quarter was good and then there's a whole range of what volumes might be done the rest of the year socials down a bit sustainability's down a bit green use of proceeds keeps going up linked instruments are a little bit should come back but are they coming back and they may be more susceptible to greenwashing accusations so lots of interesting dynamics in the market and as we say the podcast is not really meant to try and summarize all of that into we will see five or six hundred billion in in X by the end of the year, we're not kind of um, sure. So let's talk about the underlying themes that we expect to connect to that volume and activity, but we're not exactly sure how high that will um, be. But traditionally, you know, bond markets uh, spike a bit in March, spike a bit in in terms of volume, that is, uh, before European holidays, maybe July, and then a pretty strong October and part of November. So let's see if the sustainable finance markets sort of heave and, and surge in terms of volume around those sort of months, but, you know, we're not quite sure there. Our good friends at Climate Bond Initiative, again, a fantastic set of reports they keep putting out, and they looked at Climate Bond Initiative, um, I should say, produced the market summary for 2022, and this is probably one of the best reports, apart from what environmental finance produce. This is probably the other best report in the market, although it comes out a few months after a previous calendar year. It's always a fantastic read and gives lots of insights. We recommend people have a look at it. There's some interesting parts about oil and gas deals and what scopes of emissions have been included and whether they're robust or not. A little bit of a page on biodiversity. That's a great read. What else have we got in there? Some of the dynamics I mentioned before 
Overall market for 2022, it's sort of odd news, right? We know it's down 20%. Social's down, sustainability's down, SLBs are down last year. But again, a lot of that's climbing up, at least in first quarter. We'll see how things go this year. In terms of really who's issuing, I think this is interesting as well because we don't often talk about the who, we talk about more of the, the instrument. But if you look, there's a really good, since 2006 to 2022, infographic or graphic from the Climate Bond Initiative as part of this report. And you can really see the sovereign club growing, which is great because that catalyzes the market in many cases. You can see that the non-financial um, corporates squeezed a bit, again, reflecting the market, a little bit less for last year. Local government's pretty steady. Government-backed entities, significant growth. And financial corporates grew a little bit too, and development banks pretty pretty steady. So you can see the sovereign sort of connected entities, development banks, sovereigns, government-backed entities, really some key growth there. Corporates probably felt more of a pinch last year. Interesting dynamics in the market there, but, but we would encourage our listeners to check out that report in more detail. It's excellent. It's about 12 pages and very digestible. As I mentioned before, the SLB market continues to be under some, let's just say scrutiny. Scrutiny is good if it's constructive and nuanced. Scrutiny sometimes, if it's just headline grabbing, may not be overly useful. The environmental finance have had some great articles looking at different aspects of this market, pricing, are the jumps up in coupons enough? Um, should they be more? Should they be less depending on size of bond, um, credit quality, all those, type of, all those type of things? There's been articles about whether SLBs can have impact. They always should have impact. That's something at Sustainalytics we look at and we expect through the delivery and meeting of targets, that there is an impact from that. So just some ongoing discussion around those. A few articles also on, or from environmental finance about um, cement SLBs um, set to rise, part of the pun, continue to, um, to grow. Also CBI, we keep talking about CBI a lot this month, but they're very active. They've come out with some excellent references on SLB certifications and company-level transition certifications and continue to come out with sector pieces and all sorts of updates and even some ASEAN reports which have just come out too. So definitely check those out. One of those other themes was biodiversity, which continues to come out post the TNFD's fourth beta version and pending September release of the full set and standard. Ongoing, we'll see how that goes. Ongoing articles about transition transparency, transition plans. Again, Environmental Finance had some articles. CDP had some articles. Climate Action 100 updated their way to measure the robustness of transition plans for companies. So lots of really good stuff, and it's great. What does a good transition plan look like? What should it include? And more and more focus on the nature aspect. And even WWF came out with a report on that. The nature aspect, the social aspect, the just transition aspect, as if transition wasn't complicated enough, all these other extra dimensions, fantastic to see, and that really um, will help the market grow. The better the transition plans, the better the financing that can be connected to that, and the more capital that hopefully funds uh, and comes in to drive those um, changes in the economy. Okay, we've talked about um, the Sovereign Club, a few more linked or a surge, pending surge and sovereign linked, linked bonds. So let's see how that goes. A little bit. In terms of the hybrids, we talked about this last podcast or the podcast before that was like use of proceeds versus linked in the market, different bit of a tug of war. There's a role for both. And some folks are sitting in the middle of that rope, if you'd like, doing use of proceeds and connecting some targets um, around that on a linked on a linked basis. A couple of interesting things I saw about the, the metaverse. 
and a way of promoting that into sustainability. We'll see what happens as more of our experiences move online and into this metaverse, is that more shopping online and who knows? Let's see on that. Some more articles again about SLBs, missing targets. And we see, you know, it's probably a good sign that, that some companies miss targets. You know, it's a sign of ambition rather than something fundamentally going wrong. But let's see how that develops. What else have we got here? Some interesting further articles about the EU taxonomy being updated further in terms of drafts. There's six environmental objectives, two of them adaptation and mitigation have been out in the market in terms of, you know, drafts and, and not only drafts, you know, full screening criteria and things for a couple of years. And now the other um, objectives around circular economy, biodiversity, pollution prevention, all these other things have been drafted out. I haven't had a chance to read that in detail, but again, great reference, particularly for things like transition and some more difficult areas, we can always peek into that and say, hmm, I wonder whether EU's thinking, what they're thinking, what levels of efficiency thresholds and some of the technical criteria, even if someone can't look at all the do no significant harm aspects and, uh, and the like. Okay, ongoing articles about carbon offsets, how they will come into sustainable finance, some articles about sustainability teams reporting directly to CEOs and the ongoing strategic importance of that. That's great for these markets. The more strategic and it is, sustainability is, the more connected to funding, to strategies, um, things will get done. Deforestation for soybeans is an interesting one. Again, agri, we need more in sustainable finance, so good that there's some more reference points um, growing there. And really just a couple of other articles around. There's some great pieces by Carbon Pulse in terms of CapEx alignment for transition plans. There's been more articles about greenwashing standards. Look out for those, particularly how funds label themselves. What else have we got here? Ongoing articles about um, ESG ratings. Rate the Readers is a great report put out. Um, do check that out. Sustainable Analytics is rated pretty well as it does year out in terms of quality and usefulness, but that's a really good measure to check out. IPCC coming out with, you know, not so great reports. So I should say really good reports, but what they're telling us is we're not moving fast enough. It's got to support what we all do in these markets. And then Climate Bond Initiative have continued to come out with a few things I mentioned before around policy initiatives, around some articles around um, oil and gas companies in their summary of 2022 and those those type of things. So I'll hand back to you, Sabrina, to look at linked instruments. But yeah, it's been a pretty packed month between reports, biodiversity, and some of those other topics we mentioned around the Sovereign Club and around, you know, Q1 rounding up and, and looking out. It's been a pretty busy, uh, been a pretty busy time. So I'll take a few breaths and hand back to you for a little bit on what's been happening in the linked world. Great. Thanks, Nick. So on my side today, on the SLB side and the SL side, we don't have a huge amount of issuances as we did for as last year. But then on the SLB side, we have seen a few this month. So let's start with Australia. So Worley and Optus, they are both based in Australia, issued SLBs with KPI and SPTs on scope one and scope two greenhouse gas emissions. Then we have Nexons, a cable and optical fiber company headquartered in Paris, issuing its inaugural SLB. And also I wanted to highlight on the SLB side that the investment and financing division of uh, Chilean pulp 
and paper producer. They plan to issue SLB in the Mexican market. So I think another SLB that is worth mentioning would probably be Hera Group. So they're an Italian energy and waste management company. So they have KPI that is validated by SBTI on greenhouse gas emission, as well as another KPI that is related to increasing the amount of um, recycled plastics. So on the SLL side, so there are actually a few hard to abate sectors we see in the SLL space, which is very good to see some kind of hard to abate sectors are transitioning into a more sustainable business. So I think let's start with um, a mining name in Poland. So they actually have three KPIs. So one on greenhouse gas emission and other two which is also on greenhouse gas emissions, but they are addressing um, methane capture and methane management. So I think this is really, really good to see these kind of different kind of KPIs related to greenhouse gas putting into the market. So another name is Mitsui OSK line. So they have KPIs related to improvement of the energy efficient operational indicator, which is a very popular KPI used by the shipping industry. And we also see other hard to abate sectors such as the aviation sector, Air France, KLM Air. They did um, issue um, SLB and we also see other names such as um, technological name and group. They have also issued an SLL last month. Let's move on to the next segment of the podcast. Note to our uh, listeners, please feel free to send us your questions at podcast at sustainalytics.com. So this month we have two questions. So the first question, Nick, do we need a good transition plan to do a transition bond? Thanks for the, the questions and please keep them coming in. Ideally questions which are not super, super hard, so they're easy to, to answer. But I think on that one, Sabrina, really the way that we think about transition and sustainalytics, when we hear that term, it's more use of proceeds. Even though SLBs, SLLs can support a company to transition, we look at transition more from a purer use of proceeds perspective. And there's always three parts to that stool, if you like, the transition tool. First part is what you're spending the money on. Second part is what the carbon thresholds are doing with that expenditure um, and how low they're getting to. Are they faster than some references or not? And then the third part is strategy. So I don't know if it's too harsh to say you need a super duper great strategy to do a transition bond, but you certainly need a transition strategy which makes sense, is well thought out. And the better and more robust that is, the more congruent the transition funding will be because it fits with that plan and that strategy. So I would say the more robust, the better, but it shouldn't um, scare companies off doing that because, you know, lots of companies have lots of improvements to do on their transition plans. So you don't need a super fantastic best that the world's ever seen, but ideally you have a pretty robust plan and you can look at tools like what the CBI say about transition, you can look at what CA100 says about transition and the newer parts which I think what good looks like in transition plans, also have a look at what CDP released, I think is really A, nature and B, social slash just transition. So I think the ante is, is getting upped on companies. 
but it's still taking a period of time for companies to really flesh that out. So ideally you have a pretty good transition plan and a good strategy, but there's no absolute perfect basis upon which they can be put to, put together. Mm, that's good to know. So corporates who are interested in issuing transition bonds, feel free to uh, let us know if you guys have any questions on this. So moving on to the next question, have we seen any more use of proceed or linked related green guarantees in the market? Yeah, very good question. So I'd break that up into two and say traditionally, We've held the view, and probably the markets generally had the view, maybe not in all cases, that generally a performance guarantee or a contingent guarantee, maybe a letter of credit, generally say performance guarantees that are in place to back a project or an asset for a period of time, probably fitted better under a linked type basis because the principles for linked a couple of years ago actually mentioned in brackets tiny words in the first paragraph of that connected to linked instruments. So there's been a few of those in Australia, probably the most progressive market. What we've seen in the latest iteration of the green loan principles is the word contingents used in that. So that infers that contingents can be structured letters of credit, performance guarantees. And we are sort of of the view now that as long as those guarantees or those LCs are supporting connected to eligible green assets and expenditures, they can work for a use of proceeds basis now. Not very common, but particularly I think we'll see that in markets like Australia where infrastructure spending is pretty and structuring and funding is pretty advanced. I think we'll see a fair bit in those sort of markets, but the answer is yes. So come and speak to us, like transition, come and speak to us about guarantees and whether they can connect it closely enough to green assets or expenditures to be able to be labelled um, green or wrap a linked aspect around them if they're longer term to drive some change. So pretty interesting questions this month. Now we'll jump back to you, you Sabrina, and green bonds, use of proceeds, what have we, or, you know, sustainability bonds, what have we seen in the market recently um, as well? Yeah, so I think I'll break this down into two sections. So one, we focus on the sovereign side first, and then we will talk about our usual industry that we have seen in the market. So on the sovereign side, we've seen that the Republic of Turkey, they have issued a sustainability bond. So it's more related to biodiversity, wastewater management, sustainable management of living, of natural resources, use of proceeds related to the, these areas. And we also see Austria, they have raised $3 billion from a shorter dated green bond. And we also hear, hear some voices from Italy and also Cyprus that has a broad like eligible criteria and activities related to their bond issuance. So same on the sovereign side, we also hear that the Australian government, they're probably introducing a sovereign green bond program in 2024. So this is to enable investors to support public projects driving Australia's net zero transition and ultimately boosting the country's green finance market scale. So that's it for the sovereign side. So now moving on to more in the broader industry. So we've seen uh, Asian Development Bank, they're considering more concessionary funding for Sri Lanka and support for the green bond issues as part of its assistance to help the South Asian nation recover from its economic crisis. 
And we also see other normal sectors that we've seen, for example, insurance, um, different banks, uh, your property sector and your utility sector. They're also still issuing um, sustainability bonds. And we also see um, engineering company issuing bonds as well. And um, another one to highlight is probably a Japanese brewery giant, Asahi. They also recently re- released a new round of green bonds um, valued in billions in Japanese yen. So it's good to see different agricultural names in the market as well. So we also see a telco named Telstra. Also, they have issued last month. What is worth highlighting in the green bond market is that Envision Energy based in China, they have published their hybrid framework with um, the SPO done by Sustainalytics. So for companies who are not so sure which route to go to, so with existing green um, and social pipeline projects, as well as improving their sustainability performance, can choose to um, have a hybrid framework to further stand out in the market. So that's it on the green bond side. So what about the green loan side, Nick? Any rooms for green loans this month? Yeah, there's been a few things. And again, without going over the sort of the same old, same old themes, which are generally utilities, properties lend themselves to, you know, deeper green style lending. And and often some of these transactions may not have any external review and the information's a bit more sketchy on on some of these deals. But a couple that are quite new and interesting, there was a, a blue loan. So Proxima in Norway, connected to fishing and agri, did a use of proceeds loan, and again, Blue being connected to maritime. So that's noticeable. Um, Salmon Evolution in Norway did a similar thing. Again, seeing that Blue theme uh, come out. Um, IFC did a loan to some fertiliser production in Morocco. I can't remember the exact name there, so that's an interesting one. Some more work from Symbiotics, who were a microfinance investment vehicle, structuring some loans um, in Cambodia for AMK, one of the big finance providers there, and then Leo Paper doing some, uh, I think, working capital connected um, green green financing and looking at some different aspects there. So they're probably the, the standouts a couple of things connected to loans. Uh, what about social bonds and loans? So being probably less active and more integrated into sustainability themes at the moment rather than called out separately, but a um, couple of things maybe. Yeah, so most of the issuances they do focuses on green and social, but on social on its own. So worth highlighting for this month is probably AK Bank announces its Turkey's first syndicated social loan. So this transaction is quite significant because it helps to support like the Turkish economy and its social focus. And the other one that I wanted to highlight is the Euro- Europe Development Bank. They also issued a social loan and Sustainalytics actually provided um, the second party opinion for this issuance. And a lot of these use of proceeds actually focuses on employment generation through um, SME financing and also other access to essential services um, categories. So that's it on the social bonds and loan side. So what about other labeled products? Anything notable over the month? Yeah, a couple of things. And what I might do, Sabrina, I'll squeeze in the couple of things on transition and then regular yeah. regulations to sort of wrap up and, and wind out the, the podcast. But yeah, absolutely. As we mentioned, a key theme at the start of the podcast, labor products are really interesting because they give us a peek into how banks are integrating 
labelling, not just on bonds and loans, but other types of things, guarantees and trade and export credit agency items and different sort of structures. So a couple of interesting things, uh, blended finance, working with government or an anchor investor to blend in with private uh, capital. There's a few articles about that. Um, City and EDRB working on some sustainable trade. We've talked about that before in previous podcasts. Uh, Export credit agency or ECA deals which mainly finances big ticket you know, equipment um, getting sold into different countries. That can be green quite often, depending on what it is. You know, aviation, a few bits and pieces um, around that. Uh, heavy finance, uh, carbon credits, vehicles, green loan programs, green deposit programs. Thailand was talking about some green trade use of proceeds connected facilities. Again, the latest iteration of green loan principles considering contingents and some of these other sort of more working capital style facilities, the market's really shifting to having a, and much more accepting of short-term uh, facilities. So that's good to see. Citibank in India talked about sustainability link deposits. Again, great to see sustainability getting embedded in trade, leasing, structured finance and connected themes is um, fantastic. So a couple of interesting things there. From a transition basis, I think we've probably talked about this a little bit uh, before transition plans, just transition, lots of articles around about that. Tata Steel talking about um, some green loans and steel and connected space. So lots of different things coming up about hard to abate sectors and also coal phase outs. So I'd encourage our listeners to check this out. The, the Rocky Mountain Institute have produced some really interesting papers about coal phase-outs, um, and the latest iteration of the ASEAN taxonomy also talks about some of these really edgier type of um, type of structures. So do check that out under that transition lens, and we'll see if those type of structures grow or how the market views that and pokes around and, and looks at those things. And just to finish off, I guess, the sort of country snapshots, PBOC working with MAS in Singapore to promote sustainable finance, good to see. India continues um, on its quest to, to do more sustainable finance. It's leading the G20 or hosting the G20 this year. Let's see some more activity there. Philippines continues to ramp up by some of their banks like RCBC, some more focus, continued growth. Indonesia continues to you know power ahead in terms of lots of sectors interested in these products and markets. Um, Malaysia, particularly Maybank, um, working on some goals and objectives there. Sri Lanka, more in the news. Hong Kong, stock exchange tightening more climate disclosures and rules. And again, that's another really interesting hub. Japan continuing to power ahead in terms of transition label transactions and really coming up with pathways to support their industries there. US, EU, continued articles about Green Deal, about the Inflation Reduction Act and all these sorts of things that are happening. Uh, coal phase-outs, as I mentioned before, uh, Islamic financing. Uh, Vietnam, there was some talk about you know garments and different aspects um, of that in the financing. Good to see different styles of industries getting incorporated into these markets to drive change where change is needed. A couple of articles about China, EU, Africa, and also the Middle East. There's Africa and the Middle East, are, you know, newer frontiers in this market, but good to see more articles about what might be happening on trade, what might be happening on different aspects of, you know, structuring and finance. So I think I need to take another breath, Sabrina, after <laughs> all of that. But um, hopefully that gives a, a good range of, again, the smorgasbord. We really need to do this podcast every week. There's too much to cover, but we do endeavour 
to curate and come up with the, the key points with a really practical focus for our listeners. So back to you, Sabrina. I think I'm out. I'm out of information for this podcast. Great. Thank you, Nick, for summarizing all the useful information into one podcast. So, all right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time. Copyright 2023 Sustainalytics, all rights reserved. Sustainalytics does not assess current market trends, legal or regulatory developments, but only opines on recent ESG-relevant developments. The information and data contained herein are proprietary of Sustainalytics and or third-party content providers. These are intended for informational, non-commercial use only and may not be copied, distributed, or used in any other way, including via citation. These do not constitute an endorsement of any product or project, nor investment advice or expert opinion, are not part of any offering and do not constitute an offer or indication to buy or sell securities, and have not been submitted to, nor received approval from, any relevant regulatory bodies. Sustainalytics assumes no responsibility for the reliability, completeness, or accuracy of any opinion provided herein, and makes no representation or warranty as to any of the information, including, without limitation, any representation or warranty that the information or any portion of it is accurate, complete, or suitable for a particular purpose. Neither Sustainalytics Morningstar nor its content providers are responsible for any damages or losses arising from any use of this information, and use is subject to conditions available at www.sustainalytics.com forward slash legal disclaimers.